Hello and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and along with me is Steve Otterstrom today. So Steve, welcome to the show. It's another Monday and another program. It sure is. And it seems like uh, <laughs> these another Mondays and other Mondays, they, they just keep coming. <laughs> I, I look back and like, I don't know how many of these podcasts we've done, but I think we're, we're past 15 or maybe oh, even yeah. approaching 20 podcasts. So, you know, I yeah. guess if anybody is, is still bored, there's, there's a real binge opportunity. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you're new to our podcast, uh, go back and, you know, <laughs> spend a whole weekend listening to nothing but uh, Leonard and Steve's voice and our past uh, contributors who have been on, here with us, but there you yeah, go. interesting to see how time just flies by. But I know you have actually something exciting happening just moments yeah. from now. Um, yeah, this, this from is a the work big... from home perspective. It's already happened. I don't know, but uh, yeah, something that hasn't happened in the last six months is happening for you. So maybe you want yeah. to share a little bit with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. We did mention it on the last program, but just in case anybody missed it. Uh, so after six months of being on furlough, I have been called back. And so this this today is actually my first day back to work. And uh, as you pointed out, it is a work from home. Uh, initially, we were told in the communication that they would give us approximately a 30-day notice when we do return to work. And so, um, you know, if folks need to get anything from the office and whatnot, they're going to make accommodations for that. But ultimately, we are in a work from home status currently. And I'm sure uh, it's still early in the day. So I'm sure I'll get more news as the day progresses as to what things might look like. Um, but it's it's an interesting thing, though, Steve, as as I get ready to return, I really started thinking about the fact of how many other folks are in somewhat similar situations? You know, back to school has already happened for most folks in some way, shape, or fashion. And I know that's a, a mixed bag depending where you are as to what you're doing or what grade, academic grade you are in. Uh, but even in the workplace, you know, we see slowly, maybe maybe it is happening quick, but not fast enough that the unemployment rate is, is lowering. And so presumably folks are returning to work, hopefully. I know some folks, my son and son-in-law have both changed jobs during this pandemic period. Uh, but for a lot of us, it is just kind of greasing the wheels and getting back to business as we had done prior to the whole pandemic and prior to, for, for my case, April 4 was the date that I was furloughed. And so it's going to be a little bit of a different world as we get back into work for us, I think. You know, what I'd, I'd love to hear from you is, is a little bit about um, your emotional journey, maybe not even just right now, because I know you're, you're just maybe an hour away from um, actually being back, back to work, but um, your emotional journey, maybe from the anticipation just prior of to finding out whether you're going back um, to how you felt when you got the news? Maybe um, have you, has there been any oscillations in your emotion or has it just been, yay, we're going back to work. Everything will be the same. Um, tell us a little bit about this journey. You've. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. No, good call out, Steve. And of course, you know, you and I have probably had some side conversations where that's been hit on a little bit. But uh, um, so first bit of a disclaimer, I'm I'm not necessarily the most emotional person in the world. So I, I'm, I might, <laughs> might, not, might not be the best judge of character on this. But definitely there has been uh, emotion involved. And so needless to say, for those that have not gone through the furlough experience and in many places haven't, you know, some places have done a tremendous business just because of the business they are in where this has actually benefited them and others have slowed down and just dodged being on furlough or dodged being on a layoff. Um, but the tension of knowing in my case, it was two 90 day layoffs. So getting closer to that 90 day period was just really, really tense, uh, both times. Uh, the first time, unfortunately, of course, that's when you found out you would not be returning since we had worked at the same place. Uh, and the second time didn't give me any confidence <laughs> because of knowing how many didn't return that first 90 days. And we were being led to believe, you know, optimistically that, hey, everything should be good, but you don't know until you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so once the email came, uh, a group of friends immediately sent out a text message, uh, you know, kind of, hey, did you get the email? Did you see the news? Because the CEO had sent out an email to everyone. And so, uh, you know, it was, hey, did you see the news, hear the news? And then it was kind of, okay, it implied that not everybody would be coming back. And then oh. it was, waiting for that other shoe to drop you know am i gonna yeah. make the roster am i gonna make the roster or be on the bench that's that's and, a bit uh, of a punch in the gut you know if yeah or thinking yeah. i might have waited and some people I, I i i actually know firsthand that um some people did get that punch in the gut you know they had waited yeah. six months to find out well thanks for waiting but we're not bringing you back yeah, and, exactly. and and so you were you were anticipating that that could potentially be you as well. That six months was gone, you hadn't been paid, your unemployment has nearly run out, and you may not. Have yeah, some. yeah, yeah. Well, in my case, unemployment had run out. I'd done uh, enough gig work that that eliminated unemployment as an option, and so uh -huh. it, it was. Uh... <laughs> It was it was do or die just about to yeah. get to that point, uh, eliminating savings and all that. So, yeah. Anyhow, so all all, all that to not not to over dramatize it, but yeah, it, it was very uh, very tense, very concerning. And of course, within I think after his email came out, the CEO's email came out. I, I think it was well within say fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes that we got a second email letting us know, you know, that we, we were returning for those of us that were, um, mm -hmm. but, but still that, then it becomes that whole question of who's missing. Yeah. And so, and so when we think about returning to work, I mean, that's, that's the piece now that's more in front of me. Right. So I know I'm going back. I, my role did change. I'm no longer going to be doing the exact same thing that I was. I was delivering training and I'm going to be going back to um, working with vendors that develop content and develop content myself. Uh, I don't even know exactly what all I'll be doing, quite frankly, because they've, they've really, because of the number of people that 
were let go in the hospitality industry, uh, a lot of positions have changed. A lot of positions have merged. And that means positions as far as actual jobs, as well as leadership roles as well. And so the person I'm reporting to, I have worked for before. So I'm really excited that I'll be reporting back into her. And it's somebody that I know, somebody I like and get along with and all those fun Mm -hmm. things. So that eases a lot of tension where some folks I know are returning to report to somebody that maybe they know by name, but they've not worked with or for. And uh, so it's kind of like, in my mind, it goes back to being kind of like that first day of school, right? You know, am I going to like the teacher? What's the classroom? Who's going to be sitting next to me? (laughs) You know, and, (laughs) and, and, its own way, it, it is very much the same, only kind of in a virtual way. I mean, you, you know, you you recognize, but our audience may not. Um, many of the team members that I've worked with in the past were virtual to begin with or at remote offices. Uh, but I also do report into an office. And so some of my team members were there with me, but many of them were not. So yeah. as I think about physically returning, um, I'm not going to see everybody that's missing because they were never in my office building to begin with. But there is a sense in my mind that there's going to be holes. There's going to be, you know, I'm afraid one day I'm going to turn to not necessarily look to somebody because they're, again, not going to be physically present. But I want to fire off an email and, oh, Steve's not here. Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. who's doing what Steve was doing? Where does this email need to go? Or, you know, some of the friendly chats and things. So just for I hear so much from what you're saying, you know, even, you know, from the the perspective of, you know, the people side of things that you might look to see someone. And I I almost have like this (laughs) vision of, uh, the, one of the more recent Avengers, I'm sorry for anyone that's a real fan and I can't remember which, which one it's called, but the Avengers where um, half of the population of the universe disappears with a snap of Thanos' hands. And I think in some ways you're going back to an environment where who disappeared in that time uh, that that you from when you got your first um, email to the most recent one. But I think another thing that I'm, I'm hearing from this is that you may say, well, Steve was is the person I would go to or, or James or whoever, and, and they're no longer there. But it also may be, from what I'm hearing, that that department may have been completely restructured and you don't even send stuff to them anymore. It's now handled by someone, by another department completely different, um, which will be a, 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 a challenging learning curve, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so much like coming to a new employer to a new job uh, i'm gonna have to relearn how some of the things work so you know i do have the advantage of the fact that culture shouldn't have shifted a whole lot i mean i'm sure things could change uh, but ideally culture shouldn't have shifted much processes will probably be still very similar but again, it's kind of like changing jobs, doing the same work at another company and trying to figure out, okay, how do you guys do it here? And the interesting thing for us, again, hospitality was so hard hit out mm-hmm. of uh, our, our much larger team. You know, there, there was less than 10% of the workforce in the learning development area of, of our much larger team that was employed for that six month period. Now, I don't know for sure the last 90 days, but by and large, you know, they've been running on a skeleton crew, it's safe to say. 
So yeah. now, you know, what decisions were made, what, what has yet to be made and what's going to change once we get back because they realize maybe some of the ideas they had aren't going to work. And so it's, it's certainly, you know, I'm approaching it knowing that uh, flexibility is going to be key. Um, so, you know, just knowing, uh, certainly don't expect them to have thought of everything while we were gone, you know, but I know they certainly did due diligence to do what they could to prepare the workplace for us to return as far as how the jobs will be handled. But there's bound to be something that, you know, pops up and gosh, we never thought of that. What do we do now? You know, what's well, interesting because, you know, it's back to work. And that's exciting. And that's so good. And I'm, I'm really actually, I'm very, very happy for you, you know, that, mm-hmm. that that's how Thank it you. turned out for you, you know, but I'm looking at, I'm back to work at a different job. So it's kind of like, you know, if you signed up for Spanish in high school and you walk in and they say, you know what, um, we actually determined that you'd pre- be pretty good at trigonometry. And, and in your case, you're like, well, I've done trigonometry before. It's not necessarily what I signed up for, but I've done it and I enjoy it. So I'll, I'll you know, I'll get into that. Um, and it's it's back to work. But, you know, so much of what and, and I, I've spent some time in previous jobs doing engagement surveys and things like that. And I've, I've learned that uh, one of the key engagement drivers is the relationship you have with your team. And mm-hmm. so you're coming back to your team, but your team is actually a different team as well, um, which that's not good or that's not bad. I mean, it's what's good is that you're coming back and that the, the organization itself is is um, at a health point that it can begin really bringing people back, but you're, you're coming back to a different team as well. And then you mentioned the culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, should stay intact. Um, if I were a betting man, I would say that uh, maybe the basic values that, that, drove that culture are intact, but I bet the culture is completely different too. Um, And I I even take that from the time that I've spent um, working as a technical producer doing calls and this time that, you know, uh, since my furlough started along with yours and then turned into a layoff um, is, is I've had this opportunity to kind of see how the work culture in general has changed as I've, Mm sat in on business meetings and and things like that and i'm not sure if i can terribly adequately describe exactly what that culture is but if i think about the first calls that i was uh, working as a technical producer people really tried to recreate work in their home environment you know they would dress up and that's not to say that not everyone does but they would dress up do their makeup do those other things or they wouldn't turn their camera on it was kind of like if i'm not if i'm not ready to be what i was before the camera doesn't come on uh they were concerned about showing their house so people would be in the corners (laughs) of of their building so that we wouldn't be able to see much or um when uh, on zoom calls the backdrops were were coming up quite a lot then uh so we couldn't see where they were at and i've seen that really begin to transition to something uh, I guess I would say much more real in that people are trying to put on these airs of, I don't, I, I look made up first thing in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. like bedhead is coming to the calls a little more often. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, at least they have hair. Yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> yes. but, and, and no, I'm I, saying, 
pets and yeah. things and i'm seeing yeah. children sitting on the laps of facilitators and right. i don't I, I think that's actually a good thing i think that's taking us in the right direction and maybe there is some aspect of that that needs to be pushed back against a little bit i don't know but uh, yeah. i'm just thinking that that might be something that spills a little bit into your experience going back yeah and i i've noticed the same thing as well steve of course i've i've done a little bit of contract work myself and some for my own business during this time and uh, doing the technical producing and being on these sessions. And I've seen the same thing, you know, the ball caps on backwards, wearing a hoodie with the hoodie up and things that you wouldn't normally see in your day-to-day work environment have become almost normalized in this virtual environment. And to your point, it's, it's not necessarily good nor bad, but it is a curious thing to see how well the corporate world is going to adapt to that. And uh, yeah, I've seen a couple dogs and deliberately brought on the camera, not just shoe go away, but it was like, and here's my dog, you know? (laughs) And so um, I I think we have currently, you're right, the Pulse, I think currently is to a more informal, more open, more casual uh, sort of an environment. And it is a question of how long will it survive in in the corporate world? And uh, I, I suspect we're going to see some pretty good override where, where it's going to hang on. I mean, I, I would expect a little polish along the way, but I don't know that it's going to be much if I were a betting man, you know, because yeah. uh, the days of physically wearing a suit and tie have diminished most of the time, depending which career field you're in. Uh, and even wearing a jacket has subsided quite a bit. So I, I think we'll kind of see that shift continue. Um uh, and, and stay for a while anyhow. Well, and, and I hope that in, in some ways we see the shift take place um, from the perspective of this, especially, you know, we talk about, you know, seeing more pets <laughs> come on camera and things. Yeah. But where, where I am a little more um, excited to see change is as we see, you know, and, and I, I never saw any of this at the beginning, but now I very often will see well, like, well, just to give an example, at the beginning, um, I would see uh, parents kind of shoo their children away when they'd come like to the business meeting or the call that I was producing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I gotta make it look like I'm at work. Daddy's at work. Mommy's at work right now. And now it's very different. I generally see when you see that little person or you can't quite see them, but you can see someone looking down at that little person, you see them pick them up and put them on, the lo- on their lap and let them face the computer right along with um, generally they're much cuter than the actual facilitator. And so it, it does draw a little bit of the attention away, but as it's become more common, um, I think this type of thing may be the answer to, to helping us with kind of that childcare gap that mm. it, it is really difficult right now, uh, to raise children, especially in the COVID world where there is, there's no place to send your kids. There yeah. doesn't mean that there isn't a daycare open. Someone could be listening and say, well, there's a daycare down the block and it's open. Well, yay, happy for them. But the truth is it's really hard to get into a daycare. And parents have relied very heavily on the school system to provide mm-hmm. the lion's share of their daycare from when the child turns five up until, you know, they they turn whatever you turn when you leave high school. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And so – that's now come home and they're, they're taking care of that as well. And, and, uh, and I do enjoy seeing a little more of that acknowledgement that we also need to be able to take care of our families. Mm-hmm. And even I've heard people say, if you need to take care of your kids or whatever, 
put the coffee cup up or whatever it may be so that we know you're away. But even in that sense, it's an invitation to go and take care of your family where I don't believe that existed in that pre-COVID environment. It may have existed in word, but not in deed. It wasn't something we've actually felt we could go to. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Steve. And you hitting on school is definitely that is a major milestone that we are going to see some kind of a variance with in the working world. Um, so for me, I have grown children, so I'm lesser impacted, fortunately. Uh, but to your point, uh, some like your city is completely stay at home. And the community I live in, my, my grandchildren can either opt to be, well, their parents are opting for them, but uh, they can either opt to be at home or opt to go in. And uh, so there, there are going to be a lot more uh, childcare considerations than what we've had in the past. Yes. Uh, and, but, I'd, and I'd like to even add that, you know, those that have the option of going into school, they still can't really rely on it because true, if, true. if there were a breakout, which is very common, we've seen that this is a virus that <laughs> knows no bounds just this yeah. last couple, uh, last little while. I mean, um, the president <laughs> has mm -hmm. gotten the virus. And if there's anyone that has the ability to control their environment and their surroundings, you know, that would be someone. Um, and so it can happen. And yeah. um, the schools, like we saw here in my state, uh, in some areas where schools opened up for a couple of weeks, someone came with the virus and it was closed almost immediately. Yeah. And, and that back and forth is almost more difficult than, <laughs> so yeah. parents in some circumstances do have the ability to say, okay, school is going to help me a little bit with the childcare, but they can't rely on it. It's like, they've got mm -hmm. a very inconsistent babysitter right now. Yeah. Well, I think the, the overarching thing that I think regarding uh, what we're talking about in the work environment though, uh, one, one, of the, one of my coworkers at work Prior to all of this, in fact, it was, gosh, probably a couple of years ago, she made mention to me, um, she made mention of the fact that work-life balance is no longer what we need to be talking about. And I think we're seeing this physical shift now more than ever, you know, because it's not as much about work-life balance. And this is the quote, it's not so much about work-life balance, it's about work-life integration. And so I think that we are seeing a normalization of work-life integration through this time period now. And so it really is curious, you know, for those of us that enjoy watching business, it is kind of a curious phenomenon to see how far will it go and how long will it last? Uh, and is it a pendulum swing or is this something of permanency? And, and yeah. to you, what you're sort of alluding to, at least prior to the whole school conversation, you know, is there is good in it. There's no question. And so it, but there, it's still, even though it's integration, there's still going to be a balanced integration that we're going to have to find that right, right, happy medium, I think. So. Yeah. And I really, I really enjoy the word you said, integration, because mm -hmm. I think that was always the key to finding work-life balance. I mean, work-life balance is not something we, we, um, it, it's not new to us. It's not like that came out because of COVID. <laughs> I've yes. heard that that phrase since the beginning of my work life. And, and really kind of the whole problem with it 
is that idea of you think you're balancing, you've got, you know, a board and you've got your fulcrum, you know, in the yes. center and you try and make sure you have equal things on both sides. And it never worked. I, I, I can't say I was ever in an environment that like, oh, I got it. We got it right. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say too, yeah, just I, I'm, I'm sure I could ask, ask Elizabeth, your wife, and you could ask my wife, Paula, and they would say, no, he doesn't leave his work at work. You know, I, I might yeah. not be, I may have not always physically worked at home, but the conversations would often be about work and she would often be wondering, why are you still there when you should be here? And so there has been a need for some form of integration in my life anyhow, because you're right, that balance just is sort of a misnomer, I think. Well, and I think it's because the integration was a one-way street, that Mm. there were certainly plenty of times that um, I might work deep into our family time on work things, but (laughs) I never worked for an organization that would have been okay to have me work deep into my work time on family things. Yeah. That's a good call too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I remember like, you know, when um, early in my, in my kid's education, I I had uh, some children that had difficulty uh, reading um, and they probably got that from me. You know, if you've listened to this before, I am a, open dyslexic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think I even said that wrong as a dyslexic would. Um, But, uh, you know, I I, I remember I was just thinking about the t-shirt that said uh, dyslexic untie rather than unite, but uh, I'm (laughs) sorry. Exactly. I I, I shouldn't be going there. (laughs) But, you know, um, I remember hearing somebody um, who was an educator. She was a teacher and um, her father was uh, actually a special ed teacher, so I felt like she should know better. But um, she was actually speaking in a, in a church environment, giving a talk about how to be a good parent. And one of the things she brought up is, is um, how early kids should be able to read. And if they don't read by a certain age, and I've heard this so often, and it just makes me want to throw up because it's even said mm-hmm. by smarter people. But if they don't learn by a certain age, then they don't ever learn, and it's, and it's the parent's fault. And one of the things she brought up, she said, when we see successful par- uh, successful children, their parents are teaching them to read at home, and then the teachers are the are kind of the ancillaries that help them. Yeah, reinforcing it. Yeah, yeah. and and I I thought about that for a minute, felt bad, you know, because you know what she was saying was essentially your kids are having trouble reading; it's your fault as parents. And I thought a little longer, and then I became very angry because I realized something. My kids go to school for six hours a day. Uh, there's an hour lost in transport port there. <laughs> they mm-hmm. have to sleep for eight hours a day. Um, I'm also supposed to feed them, which is going to take up probably an hour and a half a day. Mm-hmm. And then you start to narrow it down. My time as a parent exists for about two hours, and they also gave me homework to work on. So I don't have any which chance about to be four hours of those two which hours. Which is about four hours of those two hours. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I became very angry. And I thought, you know what? You take my kids for most of the day. And then you say, somehow, I'm the one <laughs> that's at fault for not, um, you know, for not helping them get to where you want them to be. And, and as a and, parent, you may or may not have a degree in education to help your child. Exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. And, and luckily, I'm a parent that knows how to read and knows math and things like that. And I realized that. And then, it, and then this is kind of where it ties back in, in the integration side, I thought, you know, looking at the homework with their kids, I thought, you know, I wonder what they would do if I sent, um, you know, a, a note with my kids saying, you know, they didn't finish 
doing this home assignment, <laughs> um, would you please take care of it during school time? Mm, yeah. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't finish cleaning their room. Would you please help them do that um, yeah. while while they're at school? And it showed that the integration was very one sided. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, that school was supposed to come home, but home was not supposed to go to school. Yeah. And and it's part of the reason why our education system has the fails, failures it has is because home life does come to school. Kids who are having troubled um, home life, it's coming there. It's just not being addressed. Yeah. And yeah. when it's not addressed, it makes it so the education piece doesn't happen. In our work environment, the same thing happens. You know, I, I said that it was a one-way street, but it was really just that we have to hide it when it comes to work. You know, like originally mm-hmm. when kids had come in and, and parents had kind of shoo them away and now they're putting them up on their laps, there was always home stuff coming to work, but we had to kind of hide it away. We had to pretend we weren't working on it because we're dedicated uh, yeah. to, to our jobs. And it actually made us worse employees because um, we weren't able to properly take care of the home things that came to work. And so my hope is that 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 is kind of that integration. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be ashamed that our home things come to work and it makes our home life a lot better when it's like, Oh yeah, I remember uh, I got your help while you were at work. So it's okay that once in a while you need to do some things late into the night. Yeah. Well, you really bring up a great point too. And as far as education, I'll touch on this real quick, but then get, but, but get to your point you know, God bless the teachers because they do have oh, yes. so much that they're trying to do. And so uh, certainly we at home do need to reinforce and help and do all that. Yes. And I know that, I know you're not saying to don't do that, but just <laughs> voicing some yeah, frustration yeah, that, that, about it. <laughs> make sure, make sure I'm clear that I've never met a teacher that didn't, that didn't have the best interest and are trying yes. to work miracles with such limited resources. Yeah. If I were really to blame someone for our failed education system, it's us. It's yeah. us as, as individuals oh, who don't go out and vote. We don't we don't push for our um, our more of our tax base to go towards yeah. education. That I've our politicians are not investing. Yeah, I've I've joked about the fact if the teachers unions are smart, and I don't know if we've got any out there listening, but if you <laughs> all are smart, what you will do you know, after about six more months of parents contending with their kids at home and bouncing back and forth to being in school and homeschooling, you would go out and march and demand a raise because there's no reason for teachers to make what low salaries they do for the work they do. Well, and but, and especially as they've had to pivot here. And, and this is oh, something yeah. I, I recently um, uh, read uh, um, an article talking about this. And um, I was talking about how teachers right now um, are reporting record levels of stress in their own mental illness. Yes. Uh, because, so like, for example, and this is just to give people a little bit of a hint of what teachers are going through. And, and I'm not a teacher in, in the uh, school environment. So uh, add my ignorance to this and make it worse than, than how even I'm describing it. But let me tell you how it works in the uh, corporate world. That when you move something from a in-person facilitation to a, a virtual facilitation, no instructional designer that is worth their salary would ever just, and although it does sometimes happen and they're not worth their salary, but <laughs> would ever just take the PowerPoint presentation and, and then put it into a, a virtual environment and uh, expect it to be successful because it won't. It'll be an absolute failure. 
uh, one of the reasons for this is that if you take an eight-hour training and you try and do that in eight hours of virtual facilitation, there is just not the same amount of atten attention. And I'm talking about adults. Adults cannot pay attention to an eight-hour Zoom call the way that they can pay attention to an eight-hour presentation. What we've discovered in the corporate world that you only have at best 90 minutes. So you have to take that eight hours and you either need to break it into smaller chunks mm -hmm. um, and, and deliver it there, or you need to really take a look at what matters and what's important. And, yes. you know, especially from the perspective that when people sit in front of a screen, what they're used to seeing and what their brains are ready for is really well-produced um, movies and, and entertainment, you know, they're not, our, our brains are not ready to watch somebody stare at us. This, there's a reason we don't watch C-SPAN, right? And, <laughs> and that is, that is what, um, what we're essentially asking. And even looking at my own, own kids, when, as they've started doing this, you know, for my daughter, it's, it's worked a lot better. You know, for my youngest son, it has been torturous and it's really difficult to get him in front of that screen and have him try and just do the compliance piece of it, which is to be logged in, but to actually be checked in, we haven't figured out that secret recipe. And I don't think we're alone there. I think that's, that's something many children are having difficulty with because many adults are having difficult with, difficulty with this as well. Right. And, and you're hitting now on the, on the other point that we, as we were talking about academia uh, earlier, it, it totally plays into the workforce as well. You were talking about not being able to leave home at work when we come to work and not being able to do the same at school mm -hmm. and so on. And I think that's one of the concerns that I have um, in part for myself and also for my coworkers. I mean, I, I, I like to think I'm well adjusted and I won't have a problem and all that, <laughs> but I've been six months without a steady quote unquote nine to five kind of job, you know? And so for me to go in and whether it's at home or in the office to go and get six, seven, eight hours of productivity in a single day, I, I'm a little concerned what a challenge that will be. And again, not just for myself, but think of the other folks as well. So, you know, we've got folks now that have concerns of family members that may have been impacted by COVID. We have folks that might be concerned about themselves and the atmosphere in which they're working, whether it's safe or not. Then you have the fact, you know, the number of employees that are there or not there. So you're you're carrying a different weight now than what you were pre pre pandemic. And even those businesses that did exceedingly well, it's not like they doubled in staff because their sales increased. You know, so they're yeah. still having to do the same job with and now what would be lesser manpower for the amount of revenue being generated and so on. And so those are some things that kind of come to my mind as I think about re-entering the workplace. Um, unlike onboarding for the first time, where ideally you take a job and everything's properly staffed, we are potentially entering where not only is it a staffing concern, but all of that emotional concern that comes along with it, as, as you're kind of alluding to, Steve. And so how, how will we handle that in a work environment, you know, how will I handle it when I have a peer that is maybe not quite hitting the mark because of concerns that they may be carrying with them from the home? And so th mm -hmm. those are some things that I think are sort of the silent 
underlying things that are going to be happening that I do think business leaders are going to be more aware of that. And in fact, I, I was reading a, a great article. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, James Zanstra, posted, an, uh, well, he himself didn't post it, but where he works for the Performance Development Group, they posted an article about uh, coming back. Uh, they called it reboarding, 10 difficult yeah. rules of reboarding. And so they talked about leadership having compassion. And they talked in the article about um, a little more communication, what there's been in the past. And I think it's absolutely those types of things are going to be critical. You know, it's not going to be good enough for whomever I report to, to say, you know, hey, welcome back. Make sure you're logged in. Make sure you get your email. And by the way, this is what I need you to do for the next week. There's going to be, you know, for lack of better terms, probably a little more coddling in the workplace than what there has been in the past. And, mm-hmm. and probably rightfully so because the emotional state which folks are in. Yeah. And maybe there always should have been a little more coddling in the workplace, you know, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe there always should have been a little more of that. You know, I think I, I hope, and it's kind of like goes into the lessons I hope we learned from the pandemic. And, and I think every, every generation, every major challenge, you know, that has happened in history, there's kind of a, a change that comes out of it. And sometimes yes. it, it's good. And sometimes it's, it's good with some bad <laughs> involved, but, you know, like I think about, um, going through and, and uh, you know, only through books and through, you know, documentaries, but thinking about like World War II and um, the changes that that created, you know, in, in that, and it's, in, in some ways it's very similar um, in that one is it created change by creating loss of life. And of course it's not the same demographic that we're dealing with, with COVID, but there's, there's an intense amount of change that's happening for those people who are evac- uh, affected. Uh, I think one of the, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but very recently uh, we crossed the, I think the million person mark worldwide for how many people have been documented as having um, lost their life to COVID-19. And very likely, especially looking at it from a world perspective, that number's low. Uh, but there, there are many people that are dealing with change from that perspective, I think for the very most challenging and, and life altering perspective, actually seeing that loss of life in their families and things. And then there's also change from loss of resources. Like during um, World War II, it didn't matter where you lived, even in the least affected place in the entire world, which was probably the United States, uh, because although we had dealt with the loss of life, sending young men um, and young women over to fight um, in theaters outside, there really was no... Um, uh, domestic uh, bombing. There was nothing that um, that that led to loss of resources here. But at the same note, even in the U.S., um, they had to uh, get dairy certificates, and uh, yeah. you know there was there was rationing that took place. You couldn't go buy a car during that time period because all of the metal and things was going to the mm-hmm. war effort. Uh, so there was there was a, a a lack of resources that people had during that time. And I think here during COVID, we're, we're seeing a similar thing where um, even my grocery stores are not as stocked as well as they, they used to be. <laughs> um, there are some things that you just can't get. And more towards the beginning of the pandemic um, is where we, where we saw those resources really truly be limited um, yeah. uh, during, during this time. And, um, you know, World War II, what I think we saw people come out of it was um, people came home and they came home ready to 
be with their families. Like there was, there was a renewal of, um, for lack of a better term. And I really, I mean, lack, like this is not a, a, the right term I want to use, but there was, there was family. They came back with family values. Like, and I, I hate to use that because that's such a charged term in so many different areas. We're like, well, but a family should be like this. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, this desire to define it, but a desire to have family and take care of your children and mm-hmm. to take care of your, your homes. And, and, um, and I, I'm thinking that maybe as we come out of this, there really might be this um, desire to bring family values everywhere we go. You know, that maybe we put our families a little more first, even in the work environment, that mm-hmm. we take care of, we allow our employees to take care of our fa- their families, and then they'll be in a better position to take better care of, their, of the business need as well. Yeah. I think that's what you've just said is really just such a great parallel. And I, I would not have necessarily thought of comparing it to World War II, but I, I think you've nailed it, Steve, that those are some of the key takeaways from this. Um, I, I think the biggest challenge, the differentiating challenge that we have now that we didn't then, uh, at that point in time, there was sort of a common enemy you know we were all in the war and we fought together and i recognize we do have COVID as a common enemy but i i think as a society we're much more splintered than what we were mm-hmm. during that period in time in history but beyond that i i do think you know the value of of family uh recognizing the importance of that and you know so work sort of moves down just a little bit of a notch not that it's not important but recognizing the, the lives of our family and what we do with them matter more, perhaps. Uh, the scarcity, agree, you know, those those types of things as well. And so, to me, the life lesson from this really is the fact that for whatever reason in human nature, we seem to have to have hard things to help us grow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it, you know, overcoming obstacles or coming through obstacles or surpassing obstacles, whatever phrase you want to use, it seems to help us grow and it seems to give us cause to reflect. And oftentimes, and I hate to say this in relation to World War II and don't mean to, but like you trying to find better words, I don't know. Uh, But we really are the better for having gone through some hard times. Mm -hmm. And so it's my hope, you know, as we those of us like myself that are returning to work and those of you that are still going through the trenches and still fighting for jobs and trying to find what you're going to do because of layoffs. It's my hope that we can take this opportunity and flip it to just embolden us and empower us to be more determined to do the right thing and to place our values where they matter. And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, kind of keep a positive spin to it. It is really interesting, and and it's one of the things that I mean. Certainly, um, I if I had the choice of <laughs> of waving a magic wand and COVID never having happened, I would wave mm-hmm. that wand vigorously and quickly. Um, <laughs> but like you say, we don't we don't have that magic wand. There is no way. But we do maybe become better depending on what we do with these, these challenges and the diversity. And, you know, one of the things as you were talking that I thought about is I've had a tremendous opportunity in the work that I'm doing right now as an independent contractor 
producing calls and facilitating a few of them. But um, and and actually, very recently, I've been doing overnight work, and so literally, <laughs> I'm traveling the world world every night um, to facilitate or to produce business calls and trainings uh, from people around the world. Mm. And if there's something that we here in the United States could learn to do, it would be that I am seeing a greater sense of unity around defeating this common enemy, (laughs) around, Mm -hmm. you know, taking care of our neighbor, uh, making sure they don't get it, protecting them from the virus, um, and then going out and celebrating when you can. <laughs> um, and, and, and I talk to many who now are in places where the virus is re- has retreated to a degree that they can get out and do things like, like we can only dream of right now, you know, actually going and traveling and eating in restaurants. And I know some of those things are open and available in places in the U.S. as well in, in, in some circumstances. But um, we, we, have, we have lost something in becoming the divided states of America <laughs> that what we need to do in some way or another is we need to find some commonalities uh, or else we won't learn anything from this experience. We'll just have a lot of people die and they'll have died for no reason. Um, If we don't somehow find a way to find common ground, commonalities, and to find a way to really care about one another and, you know, this is the most contentious time usually in the United States anyways, right before an election. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every election I remember in my lifetime um, had similar rhetoric going into it. Um, This I think is probably more so than any I've seen in the past. However, the stakes are so much higher right now um, from the perspective that if we don't get united, (laughs) uh, there's, there's not much left. You know, I remember looking at a political cartoon. This was um, from like, oh, I think the 50s. And it, it showed uh, these two Americans, you know, fighting it out. Um, and, and, and the rest of the world looking around, it was, it was like an election day one. And it says, um, falling apart, you know. And then the next one showed after the election had taken place and they're shaking hands. And it says, it says, uh, the coming together something along those lines Mm -hmm. and the rest of the world being like surprised because there was this contention going into it and then when they came out there was this all right it's over one side won one one side lost but now we're together now we're united and um if we don't figure out how to get that again I, i i just i just don't see much possibility for us to um to become what we once were yeah one of one of one of the best quotes I think that I've heard recently, and I say recent as in the last year or so, is uh, we are more alike than we are different, and I think that we have had a tendency in recent times in our history to focus too much on our differences and not enough on our likenesses. You know, in the end, as, as we talk about returning to work and this whole subject today, you know, everybody is a little bit apprehensive going back. Everybody is a little bit apprehensive about the workload that we're going to have to have. Everybody is a little apprehensive about whether the economy is going to return to what we want it to, or is it going to be 
what it is for a while longer, you know. And so those are things that we can focus on and we can agree on and we can recognize. And so, you know, why not take the time to focus on that? And I know as we return to work, I know that's what our leaders are going to be focusing for their team members. I, I know that's where my mind is, is, is to focus on, you know, what, what's in front of me and what can I do rather than uh, the wonderful division that you so much had just <laughs> talked about. And, uh, you know, uh, I, eventually I, I, there's no question in my mind at some point the pendulum will have to swing and we'll have to unify a little bit more, but uh, it, it's just a very ugly time right now to see where we are. But again, yeah. we are so much more alike than we are different. And I think that's a great thing for us to think about and, and to begin to focus on. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, as, as we're wrapping this, this up for today, just another reminder. And it's a reminder that you're going to get from me all the way up until November 3rd. If you live in the United States and you are a U.S. citizen, you have to vote. It's just your civic duty. And I think, Leonard, you agree. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that window's closing to make sure you're registered if you're not already. But if you are registered, obviously, we definitely want you to get exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, you, you need to do that. You need to, And you need to verify your registration. If you haven't uh, uh, voted in a long time, it is very possible um, in many states to actually purge those registration records um, if you haven't voted in a while. And uh, you would have to re-register. I believe everywhere in the United States, it's still possible to register, but you may only have days until that changes. So go to vote.gov. And I don't think I need to spell it, um, especially because I'm the dyslexic here. I might give it to you wrong, but I'll give it a try. V-O-T-E. <laughs> and I may have said .com, but it's actually .gov, G-O-V. Yeah, you so said .gov. Very yeah. Good. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know what vote.com right. it may and work. Go to vote.gov. Yeah. And for our listeners, as always, we encourage you to uh, drop us a note and let us know your thoughts. Furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. We want to celebrate with you if you're returning to work. And if you're still looking for work, we certainly are empathetic towards that, knowing that it is a difficult time for you. Um, the economy seems to be trying to come back. And we hope that it will continue to come back here in the U.S. as well as really around the globe because yes. we are we are interdependent more now than ever as well. And uh, so anyhow, we, we wish you well. Steve, any, any parting thoughts before we wrap up? Um, you know, I, was, I, I think I was looking at um, a late night show and I, I heard the, uh, uh, the host <laughs> say at the very end, we love you all. And I'll just add that as well. Leonard and I uh, are very appreciative of those that listen to this podcast. We do love you. We do care about you. We want everyone to be okay. So be safe in whatever you're doing um, and take care of your families. All right. Thanks, Steve. And uh, yes, just in case it's in the back of anyone's mind, our podcast will continue despite the fact that I am no longer on furlough, nor is Steve. Uh, we will continue to bring topics to you and talk about those hard things in our lives and how they impact us and how we can work with those. So we thank you for being along for this journey. In addition, we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor as always. That's upwardsunlimited.com, upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. And they specialize in helping you and your teams with conversations, connections, collaboration, 
and community. So until next week, folks, have a great week, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.